Welcome, everyone. I'm your host, Isaac, and you're listening to the Gentleman's Atlas podcast, where we provide you with honest and authentic conversation to assist you in becoming the hero of your story and live life on your terms. I'm excited for the message in today's conversation. So let's get right into today's episode. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode on the Gentleman's Atlas podcast. Gentlemen, thank you for joining in today. Today is going to be a guest interview where I bring someone that's a little much more of an expert in an area than I am, but it's also someone that I believe is authentic, is humble, is honest, and will be able to deliver value to you guys and be able to kind of give you some good conversation and ideas that can inspire you as well as give you practical knowledge. So with this guest today, it's someone that we were chatting over um, message and Definitely had a few laughs before the episode started, so I'm just glad to be able to bring on, glad to be able to share this guy with you and let him share his wisdom, especially when it comes to a lot of stuff that we can all relate to. So without further ado, let me bring on to the show, Graham. Graham, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, some some comical uh, comical things before the, the podcast, so it was tech issues, you know? <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I think the best way to get started, as always, is going to be just giving a bit of a backstory elevator pitch to who you are, what you do, and how you got to where you are today. Good. Uh, lots of questions there built into one. Um, so as as said, my name is Graham. Um, I uh, own a design company, a full service design company called pixeltrue.com. And uh, I guess the elevator pitch is it's a design company that covers almost everything of a design that you would look for um website design animation illustration uh graphic design uh logos you know everything everything that most businesses are looking for um our our business does um in terms of uh my backstory overall i uh how far back we want to go here? <laughs> my my original plan in life was to be a medical doctor, and uh, went through school. You know, I'm I'm a, in Canada here, so um, we don't have pre med, but I went through something that would be as close to pre med as as we have within Canada. Um, and uh, close to the graduation of that, I realized, you know, this school thing, I'm not not a huge fan of it uh, overall and to, to become a, an MD eh, takes a bit more schooling, et cetera. So I wasn't, I wasn't uh, committed to being able to put that much work in uh, to studying. I think I was a little jaded by the school experience um, overall, just uh, they try and pigeonhole, pigeonhole you into taking certain courses that you don't need or don't want to take, but you have to take in order to get the proper credits to be able to graduate and all this stuff. And, the exam process, everything just uh, bothered me. So I, uh, I stopped doing that and, and went into actually uh, uh, financial planning. And I uh, did that for many, many years, uh, migrated over to being a fund manager for uh, one of the largest <clears throat> uh, mortgage investment uh, groups within Canada and managed that for eight to nine years or so. And then I guess as the trend seems to show, uh, sort of skip that. I, I realized that it wasn't the amount of work and effort that I was putting in. Um, I'm, I'm a saver by heart and, uh, the amount of, the amount of effort that I was putting in overall, um, to working for someone else and the amount of hours and sort of the, my attitude towards my wife and my new 
child and things like that. I was just stressed and I didn't like who I was. And so I quit. Uh, I decided to give that up and uh, move into sort of working for my own thing. And then that has, uh, over the course of time, I've, I've purchased, uh, sold a variety of different websites and, and one of them is, is pixeltrue.com. So, uh, that's owned that for just over a year now. And, uh, you know, like, like most businesses, some ups and downs, but overall it's, uh, it's great. Really, really excited to, to be part of it. Why do you think for so many people, including yourself, we kind of skirt around on all these different careers and all these different up like paths, and we're just never really able to find what's best for us. Why do you think that is? Now I'm older than you are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so therefore, I must be wiser. Um, <laughs> from I'm looking back at my childhood. And, and I think the reason why I preface it with saying I'm older than you are, I don't know what it's like now, or maybe you can uh, put in your, your two cents. But when you're a child and you grow up, uh, the, an older um, adults that you are around, et cetera, the natural question is, what do you want to be when you grow up? And when you're a child, I mean, again, maybe it's different now, but at least back Back in the day, I feel like I'm ancient, but like the the main things coming to mind: oh, policeman, fireman, you know, I want to be a race car driver, uh, maybe a doctor, because my parents are my my parent, uh, my mom uh, was an MD. Um, so you sort of naturally, but the point is that you sort of almost I feel like get maybe gun to your head or something like that, like choose what you want to be when you're young and, and even out of high school too. Um, if you go into university, it's, if you go to university or college right out of high school as well, again, it's like a choice right now, choose your degree, choose what you want to do, um, for the next four years to get a degree in, et cetera. And, and I think it's in, in your initial part of life, there's so many monumental decisions that you make that you don't realize that you're necessarily making. And, and to go back on it, like, for me, it was three years in, uh, you know, this is probably not the thing uh, that I want to do. Therefore, the degree that I'm taking right now is probably not really something that I, I want. So then what do you do? You spent three quarters of your money on a degree that you don't want. You're 25% away from finishing. Well, I guess I'll, I'll finish that too. And so it just, it's just more and more time. And, and I think... I think a lot of it is uh, the lack of experimenting, uh, ultimately. I think it's the lack of just going out and maybe traveling for a while or, or doing like almost being aimless and just trying a variety of different things to see truly what you're interested in. Um, and, and I think that happens a lot for younger individuals is that everyone's trying to figure it out. And so then you're, you're out in the real world, as it were, working, and you go to a job and you're like, ah. It's not really something I want to do. So you go to the next one. Eh, yeah, I don't know about this. I don't know about this. I don't know about this. And you're trying to find your way um, when some people are lucky. Some people, they they get it and and you see it right away and it's what they want to do. And they've always known maybe. Um, and, and sort of maybe it's a keeping up with the Joneses thing too. Instagram, Facebook, 
TikTok, all these things, you sort of see this stuff and you think, oh, their life is perfect. Why isn't mine? I can't believe I'm not figuring things out, et cetera. So um, when in reality, it's probably not the case uh, as, as influencers are always the you know, show, uh, showcase uh, rather than the actual real life. So that's my, my long, profound answer as to why that is. I think uh, it's just lack of, of effort. And I know for me, um, I have two children. And, and one thing that I'm really interested in doing um, is rather than um, having children go into uh, some high paying job, right? A high hourly wage or whatever it is, right? Go Mc- McDonald's, maybe it's not high hourly wage, but you get it. Like just some, some type of job where it's like, I want to earn as much money as I can uh, right now. What I'd like them to do um, is go and find some type of volunteer organization or think of whatever it is, what is it that you're actually interested in doing and go work there. Ideally for volunteer, you know, whatever it is that they can think of. And assuming that I have the ability to do so, and right now uh, all signs point yes, is I will pay them the hourly wage. So don't be concerned about making money, right? You'll make money working for volunteer, I'll pay you, right? Um, And and the goal is for them to go and find something that they're interested in. And then the next year, stop doing that. Go find something else that you're interested in and go work there. And, and I'm hoping to get that that those reps in <laughs> earlier in life so that you can figure out um, truly what what things that they like. You know, the, the idea of working in an office, maybe that's exciting. And then you do it for a while and you're like, ugh, this is sitting at a desk and looking at a computer, not for me. Okay, well, I'm going to go be landscaper. Oh, that's a lot of work. You know, I'm not interested in that, but I like portions and just finding portions of things that you like and, and maybe uh, pursuing that and and maybe some business opportunities as well since uh, more and more people are starting their own businesses too. Yeah. No, I think- How's that for an answer for you? I, that's, definitely, that's definitely an answer. <laughs> You definitely didn't leave anything out of the table. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's good. And I think the two things that I really want to touch on that you kind of mentioned is like, first, that perspective. It's like, if you haven't been able to experiment and see what the possibilities are, you're never really going to know what it is you can do. And I also think there's a there's an element of understanding the desire behind what you want to do. So it's mm-hmm. like, like, for example, if, like I'm someone that really likes competition. Competition can exist in finance fields, in law fields, can exist in being your own business owner. It can exist in even just competing to like be the highest performing salesman or marketing team. So it's like understanding what it is that you enjoy about something allows you to kind of like narrow down the certain areas where it's like, I know the position and the type of work I'm looking for. So it's like, like for me, I'll just give a personal example. I like creating, I like competition, and I like change. Mm. So what three things does that point to? Well, the best one's entrepreneurship. Because again, you're doing all those things. And it's very, it's a very good feel for that. Now, let's say you don't really want to be on that business side just yet of your own. If you're looking at other works, you have one freelancer that gives you a little bit of freedom of change. Two, you can also go into like, sometimes some, it depends if you like the field or not, because then when you talk about like a finance field or a law field, it's like, well, do you also enjoy the type of work? Because as a lawyer, sure, you could be like, yeah, competition. Yeah, I just beat the other guy in court. 
But it's like, are you able to go through three to six months of the paperwork and filling out all that stuff beforehand? Yeah. Or it's like, if you like, you think the surgery part of cool as a doctor, it's like, well, you got to do a whole lot of research before then. Are you able to do the research? So I think it's like, it's understanding the entire package of the career, not just the highlights. And yes. again, cross-referencing that to like social media and the influencers, it's like everything that you see in anything that looks good is usually just the highlights. Right. Because no one, it doesn't make sense for a lot of people to post the negative stuff or the dark days or the bad days or whatever they go through. So what you're seeing isn't a, it's a, it isn't a true testament of what something actually means. No matter what kind of influencer they are, whatever they do, they're going to be showing the good parts. So I think it's, it's coming in with clear expectations um, and just tying it back to what you want to do. You know, it's like, if you like competition, if you like creativity, um, and then it's like, what kind of risk are you willing to take too? Like for me, I'm a risk taker. So owning my own business for me is a good move. If you don't like a lot of risk, then you might want to be more careful opening your own business, especially if you don't have a partner or a benefactor. So I think back to your point, it's like there's an element of trying in perspective, which I think it's cool the way you brought up the example of like what you're going to do with your kids. Um, and I think it's it's relating the point. It's like for me, it's not going to a job that you wouldn't get paid for. For me, it's like doing something where money isn't able to cloud your judgment. Because what I've always called money is an amplifier. So it's like, it always amplifies whatever's being felt. But at the same time, it's it can also be a suppressor of how you truly feel. Because a lot of people start going in different ways when either the lack of or the abundance of money really comes into play. Any 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 final thoughts on that one before we kind of go to the next part? I think you wrapped. I mean, you you summarize. Yeah, it's different words of of choice. Exactly. It's. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Basically, I. And and how do you get it right? So maybe you're not be able to child, but go and interview someone if you can. Just take them out for coffee and try and get a, a feeling for what it's like. You know, and I think I think there's a. The, the advance, the preparation, the iceberg, as it were, right? The amount of work that's done that you don't see beneath the surface um, is is paramount uh, for any large life-changing thing or event that you're thinking of doing, right? Career, job, whatever it is. If you, if you do a little bit of research ahead of time, um, you could potentially save a lot of time too, right? Yeah. I know I think- laws, as you said, law, like I have – a few law friends and if you know any lawyers or anything like that, man, they work so much, so much in the early years and even into the later years. Like it's just nonstop, no appreciation. Like it's just getting beaten down all the time. It's like, it's like being hazed for professionally uh, for like four years or something like that. Uh, Suits, Suits the show uh, maybe did a, a bit of an eye opening into what it's like as an articling student um, and the amount of work and, and sort of chastising that gets going on. But uh, yeah, it's all those things you maybe don't realize. And uh, you look at the glory, you look at the, oh, look at that car the guy's driving. Uh, he must be doing well and I want to do that, et cetera, et cetera. Lots no, of there's definitely been there's definitely been a, a disconnect between like the rewards and the input kind of system, like the work that's, that's given in. And I think I was, uh, I, I like to show a lot. I did, I did watch a little bit of that one. 
And it's so interesting because like, it's like even though it highlights like how like top down kind of like talks with like the, like the lower guys, like with the associates and stuff like that. It's like the fact is it's like it's still because obviously it needs to get attention. The amount that's in real life is still way worse. Like they show oh, the working yeah. hours, but they didn't show like you literally will read like hundreds to thousands of documents for every like for every part of a case. So it's like if it's a case takes like 10 going to trials, right? Which isn't necessarily battling, it can be other things. It's like the due diligence of that moment is like at least three weeks and it sometimes extends to like six months. Yeah. So it's like you have to realize like, you just have to understand, I think a lot of what's going on. Yeah. But I think on top of that too, it's like in some of those areas, obviously it's not that some days it isn't going to suck, but the type of work that you do is also kind of fulfilling as well. Um, where I think that with the volunteer example or what you were talking about, it's like, that's where you really see fulfillment because there's a difference between loving what you do, um, uh, in the sense of like showing up happy every day to work and loving what you do because it's fulfilling to who you are, you know? And I think that's where we segue now to talk about more like you've, I know we've talked and you've been big on principles and values. Talk to me about how that's, you know, applied itself in your life as well as what you try to do in your life. I think uh, a lot of individuals, uh, I think I'm different than, than most uh, people overall. I think I'm, well, first of all, I'm, I'm pretty frugal. Um, so that, that by and large in and of itself is uh, a huge, huge differentiator between me and uh, <laughs> most other people is frugal gets tied in with cheap and there's a there's a big difference um between the two uh, a frugal individual will assess value and will only spend and will spend a large sum of money on things that they see value in or they will not spend any money really on things that they don't see value in so cars for example i view them I, i'm very pragmatic i think um i view it mostly as four wheels and a way to get to some place um, and so I don't put a huge amount of value on a car as long as it looks respectable enough and uh, I get to point A, point A, B without any types of breakdowns or problems, then that's good enough. I don't need a six series Beamer, you know, whatever it is. Um, and that that is confusing for many individuals who don't live like that. Um, and so that, that's one of the, the big sort of um, issues, I guess, if you were to call it issues or potential conflicts, um, where it exists. Uh, I think getting into the financial realm because my history is in finance, I think spenders, um, don't realize that they're making a choice. Versus savers recognize that they're always making a choice, right? So spenders don't recognize that they are choosing satisfaction or gratification or whatever it is um, in purchasing whatever it is they want now at the expense of future uh, stability. Whereas savers recognize that there's a choice. Okay, I'm, I'm deferring my satisfaction for something bigger later or something down the road or whatever it is. Um, and so that, that frugal sort of mindset, I think has, has 
positioned me in in many different situations because I've been trained or accustomed to saying no, whatever it is that that also moves on to other things in my life as well, um, business or uh, personal life or whatever it is. Um, I think I'm able to uh, certainly accept a lot of. Uh, criticism as well. That's that's another one of my big um, scenarios is is being open to change, recognizing that <laughs> I'm not perfect by any means, and and can always try and improve. And uh, lots of lots of eye opening stories uh, that I've I've had over my time with s- stupid minor stories that that have you know you can take that and and really learn from. Um, I have a story about cereals that, that really changed, uh, changed my perspective on things too, but I won't go into that unless you want me to. (laughs) Yeah. I think what's, what's interesting to me is that everyone talks about like these, these like ends of the spectrum and they kind of don't see the beautifulness and really the practicality of that balance in between. And I think that when you have a perspective enough to realize that it's not about a side being right, it's about coming to a balance in between and living in that moderation is very fulfilling. And it applies in so many areas and people just aren't able to kind of overcome their own biases and their own egos enough to see it. And I like, I want to, I want to give an example, but I don't want to, I'm not going to get into it. It's like, People talk a lot about politics and obviously you have your sides, but the thing that people fail to realize is that like, even if if you believe the system's flawed, that's whatever. But if you're operating in a two-party system, the value isn't inciting with one side or the other in every case. It's like, how do you balance out the best of both worlds and come to compromises that add value? And so that's obviously in a political sense. And it's something that because people are unable to have uncomfortable conversations where their values are in quote unquote being attacked, we're unable to to have these conversations that would otherwise yield much better results. Now tying it back to what you said with like the spender and the saver, it's like there's moments where you can spend purposefully and intentionally and buy things that, you know, are actually beneficial to you. They're calculated purchases and you're not wasting money and you're not overspending on anything. And at this, and at the same time, when you have like the saver situation, it's like there's moments in life where it's like you can really just enjoy and spend time with the people you care about. And it's like for a lot of people, when they think frugal, they're like, oh, he's never going to spend anything. It's like one, that's a bad way of looking at it. But two, if you are that kind of person that just never spends on anything, it's like, you know, at some point in life, you're just going to look back and just kind of see like because you were so worried about saving yeah. that extra dollar you've really missed out on a lot. So what I like, like personally, what I see myself as is like a minimalist. Um, and it's just like spending, being able to afford more of what I love and value and then cutting out the excess that really doesn't matter. Yeah. And at the same time, operating with a balance of just, you know, having your own investments and just growing. And I think it's, again, it's understanding that everything is a choice, right? Even inaction itself is a choice. So when it comes to that sort of stuff, it's just it's just understanding what it is you want to be doing, what it is that, you know, will come out of this decision, not just in the next 30 seconds, but as well as like the next week or month or even year, you know? I like, uh, I like that. I just, you know, 
rather than calling yourself frugal, you can be a financial minimalist. <laughs> right? It's, it's rewording a lot of the same thing because a lot of the core principles of being a minimalist are right. You're, you're principled in what it is that you value and you don't spend or purchase whatever it is that you don't really value. It's very similar. Uh, yeah. yeah, and it should definitely uh, tie back to like what it is you also prioritize and value and not what society is telling you. Because the biggest pitfall is a lot of us, regardless if we're savers or spenders, what society ingrains in us and what we're allowed to be biased by can really affect that too. So for example, it's like if you see your friend, like the nicest, like the newest BMW and you're a spender, like that's really going to be tempting you in a way that, you know, you should not be looking to spend. Um, and on the flip side, if you're a, like already a pretty heavy saver and you're watching these like finance guys talking about like, you know, weight distribution on a car to save like $3 on like every 10 miles of like a car driving. I'm just like, like at that point, you got to really see what are you feeding into um, and just like doing it for you. Like I think the problem is, is like if you're a guy that just like spends a lot of money to impress other people and it's like you buy the newest car because you just want to impress others it's like is that really justification for why you should be doing it and that's where you got to talk to yourself but i think to the flip side it's like if you're a car guy and you and your dad always like dreamed about opening a car shop and like a custom manual car like a classic and you find one and it's like you have the money definitely more enough to cover it and it's like it means a lot to you it's like you're going to enjoy every second of it. It's like that purchase to me isn't unnecessary. Like it really can be justified. I think it's just being in a place and understanding not only that it's a choice, but understanding the intentions behind said choice, you know? I agree. Yeah. And and back to your point as well, uh, while ago, just about the, the political side and, and being open to maybe the other side, et cetera. I think, uh, it, it's it's a two way street, of course. Is not only yeah. being open, but also um, learning how to phrase questions or um, make your position felt without feeling like you are absolutely attacking the other side. Because I think w when there is an opposite position, political is is sort of the easy one to go on because it's it's quite uh, <laughs> quite separated a lot of the times, uh, yeah. particularly in the states. Um, is that if you see conversations, it's, it's rarely like a, an open, like, okay, I'm receptive to what I'm listening to what you're saying rather than like, I'm thinking about <laughs> what it is that I'm going to counter at and, and like throw a knife back at you and, and whatever it is, like, I'm not participating or engaging in the conversation, right? Like, here we are, I'm listening to you, right? Responding to something that you said five minutes ago and the same thing we're back and forth and 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 that's part of a, a proper conversation is you're actively listening and responding and engaging uh and respectful it, disagreements too i think it's like yeah. what you say like there's no reason for me to agree with anything that you say but i think it's like like for me it always ties back to this idea um there was the philosopher um voltaire he said I may not agree with what you have to say, but I will defend to my death your right to say it. It's like, mm. it's it's that principle of like really just letting others do and think as they say. And I think also too, because we're so used to just like attacking and, be, and being like, and feeling like we're being attacked, we end up going to the extremes 
in a lot of issues when a lot of times we're way closer to the middle than we think. Um, and it's like this idea of right or wrong, not relativity, which I think is so much more important. Like I saw someone had sent me this clip the other day. Um, and it was this guy who was like one of those guys who just like goes to like protests and he just like has conversations to understand why the people are actually there. Um, and I think this particular protest was over abortion. And so the guy went up and just asked these like three girls that were together, like questions. And so instantly the three girls were like, oh, you must be like, what, like you must be against us as soon as he started talking. And so obviously it seemed really heated, but then he just asked the question. He was like, well, how long do you think before like, oh, like a woman should have before they, they're able to, you know, not get an abortion. And then their, their common ground was like three weeks apart. So they went from like, you're completely against us to like, oh, wow, we were like, actually, I think their time was shorter than his time that he had thought about. And they're quote unquote on opposite sides. But it's like the second you just kind of put aside your ego. And again, it's also one you I think you should be striving to being more receptive and understanding that you're not always being attacked. But at the same time, too, we don't live in a, in a fantasy world. So it's like sometimes you also have to structure the way you talk. Um, especially when you're trying to get conversation of someone, if you're attacking whatever they believe in, there's no logical basis of your argument that's going to convince them. Because I think everything that convinces them that you might be right makes them want to go back to what they already believed in because you feel you already attacked them. You know what I'm saying? It's like, there's this, um, it's a psychology thing. It's like what we do at when we feel attacked, when our point of view is like being infringed upon is that we kind of turn off the like the receptors of like just listening and understanding that logic. And we're like, well, even if he is right, I don't want to be wrong about this. So we really like narrow down on it. And we often just push people away because of it. Um, it's, it's interesting. Like I think, and I say this to you and I say this to everyone that's listening. It's like, if you listen to people who are really well-spoken, they're very eloquent and they're also very good at arguing, you'll understand that when they argue, most of the time, they argue by asking questions that direct the thought patterns into making the other person convince themselves of what you're already trying to say. So it's like, because you, you ask them to support their arguments, and then they begin to see the pitfalls, and then they begin to realize. But it's like even more than just winning an argument, it's like, how do you genuinely learn from conversation? Because your job isn't to go tell everyone why you're right. It's to go learn why you could be wrong. And I think that perspective, just like we talked about with the with the finance and with the and just with the jobs, it's like the perspective that you can get from others is what you should always be striving to learn, not what you can teach to others in a sense, you know? And it's hard now. I, I feel like I mean, yes, I, I couldn't agree more. There's no question. Um, the online world that exists, um, the the reps that you get or you see or the, the trolls or whatever it is, like it's, it's rare to actually see many positive comments, right? Like it's so, it's so much easier to do a negative comment on a post or whatever. Um, then, you know, you get like, like five negative posts to one positive, right? Like the people who are happy, are not going to try and go out their way to try and say like, oh yeah, I, I really want to comment on this thing. It's, it's all the negative people that will happily do that a lot more. And so you, 
I think by nature, you're, you're seeing so much negativity and that sort of fosters into the attacking sort of model rather than like, okay, yeah, exactly what you're saying. Being open, being receptive, uh, asking more questions, maybe guiding the conversation that way, et cetera. It's, uh, it's a hard world that we live in. Um, ultimately, it's, uh, it's difficult. Yeah, well, I think to that point, it's like, if you really think about just social media in general, how many people that are genuinely positive in that current moment are really going to be commenting a lot? Like a lot of times, even if they like what you said, they're going to be like, oh, that's dope. And they kind of move on because they're so like, it's so minimal. They'll share it maybe. But yeah, they they, they'll share it, but they're not going to comment. It's like, <laughs> right. like if you look at any given comments of like anything that even like just normal things, like a lot of times they don't have positive comments because it's like those people don't really have a reason to be in the comments. And the other people are so bitter and yeah. resentful that they're just going after every little thing. So I think it's, again, getting giving yourself that reality check. It's like, well, where am I in life and where am I feeling in life? And it's like, if I'm more of a positive person and I don't really comment on these things, it's more than likely that a lot of people aren't going to do the same thing. I just finished um, reading a book. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Talking to, uh, Talking to Strangers, Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, you've yeah I've it? definitely okay. heard that. Yeah, I've read um, it. It's a great book. It's, it's Love so all the Malcolm Gladwell books. Yeah, he's fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely. But the thing that I realized, it's cool because the book's narrated in a lot of like stories and giving you examples. Yeah. It's like so many times because we're allowing ourselves to be controlled by our biases, by our egotistical thinking, we fail to sometimes just glimpse the simple truths of misunderstanding one another. And misunderstanding comes from not just being able to see a different side of pictures. And it's, and he gave an example in the book. He said, a lot of people get taken advantage of because they want to see the truth in a lot of people when they are lying. But he said the alternative, which has been proven to be far worse, is when we already assume that they are lying and they may be telling the truth. And a lot of times, a lot of conflict, pain, and problems come from assuming that everyone else are liars and the truth may be just there. And in the examples in the book, you know, where, where stuff like people getting taken advantage of, like they talked about like a Ponzi scheme and it was just like, they wanted to trust that this guy was reputable, that he knew what he was doing. Um, and they lost money because of it. But then the flip side was talking about of like a lot of like the police brutality cases. And it talked about just ge- moments that could have been genuinely misunderstood but because they were in a more negative, more cynical mindset, they've ruined everything that just potentially could have been a misunderstanding. So I think that what the important part to realize is, is like, yeah, a lot of times if you're a positive person, things can go wrong. You can be taken advantage of. And sometimes it just hurts. But I think the flip side is like, well, how good of a life is that to be positive and lose a few times, be taken advantage of a few times, compared to the flip side, where it's like, yeah, maybe you don't get taken advantage as much, but you're cynical, you're resentful, you're bitter, and the world doesn't look anything less than black and gray to you, you know? So I think it's like, again, the choice element is so important. It's like, how do you want to choose to live? And it's like, you can either see it, again, as like going back to that classic example of like a glass half full or a glass half empty, and just living that way it's like framing again back to perspective will completely change your life in ways that you just don't understand so how do you think you do that so how do you think how do you start for the for the people that are 
looking, I, I agree uh, yeah. with you. I, I um, for the individuals that are half uh, empty type glass people, um, how do you how do you move out of that? How do you get? I past think it? the simple. So I like to give actionable stuff because again, that's a, that's a really good that's a really good question to bring up because it is like how like how do you realistically do that? I think the first part to start when you're switching that mindset is just gratitude. So it's like a lot of people are like, eh, you know, gratitude, like whatever. It's kind of BS. It's like, no, look at everything that you have that someone else might not have. And also look at things that have kind of gotten to you to where you are. So it's like uh, the biggest, the little, the first one I like to say is like, you switch the have to, to I get to, right? You, I think a lot of people, what they don't understand is like, you have two ways of power in your life. You're either someone that things happen to or someone that makes things happen, or just allows things to be for them. And it's like, once you decide what kind of power you want to have, then you really understand where you are in your world. So when you say gratitude, it's like, I don't have to go to work today. I get to go to work today because the other guy over there, he doesn't have a job. I get to see my wife and my kids today. The other guy over there has been single for 40 years because he just can't find a good partner. I get to enjoy this meal in front of me. Because that kid over there, he has had nothing to eat for the last three days. And it's like, yeah, it's like, and also it might sound easier to just say, and it obviously is, but it's like really bathe in that idea. It's like things could be so much worse, radically worse than they are now. And you don't know anyone else anything, but at least when you look to yourself, you're just like, listen, I may not be where I want to be, but I'm definitely not where I once was. And it could be a whole lot worse. So it's like if you start with gratitude and you kind of just envelop and then you write down every day, just a little sticky note or a journal, just three things. I'm grateful for good health, to be able to see my family and to be able to do a job that's able to provide not only for myself, but for the people I love and care about. And just sit there for a second, write, take five minutes, take 10 minutes drink a coffee, drink whatever you like to drink, and just honestly bathe in that idea that in the present moments, you have so much to give thanks for, not because you owe it to someone else, not because you have to give, you have to give it back to someone else even if you don't want to, but it's just like that's, that's, that's the reality, just understanding that you are grateful for the reality and then switching that every time you, you catch yourself. I don't have to do any of this. Technically, I really don't. I get to do this. I get to be able to. And it's also reframing what's beneficial about what you do. Let's say at the moment, you're not in a career that you love. Like you really don't like the job. It's like, I may not enjoy the type of work I'm doing, but I know that continuing to work and to push through, I'll be able to provide for the people I care about until I get into a position where I can try something else. So it's like, it's being optimistic and realistic in the sense it's like, just because like you just don't like your job, you can't just quit the next day if you don't have any way of like kind of coming back from it. So I think it's, it's what I like to call being the bold, rational optimist. It's like in modern day, it's, it's hard to go against what, you know, society pushes. And that's like all this negativity and all this hatred and resentfulness. But it's like, it's being bold to say, you know what, I'm going to ignore all of that stuff because it really doesn't matter. Rational in the sense that you you understand your position and you understand that it's like it's going to take work, dedication, and focus 
to get to a different part of your life. And then opportunistic and optimist because it's like, look at all the possibilities and the advantage that you can be a part of, that you can take advantage of, and that you could provide not only for yourself, but for the people you care about, you know? Very well said. There you go. I uh, don't have much to add. That was that was very eloquently said, as you as you uh, <laughs> point out. I mean, I know. I, I don't know how many business owners and things like that uh, necessarily listen to this uh, podcast or what it is. I, I know it's not quite the same thing, but I know within uh, Pixel True side of things is that one of the big core mantras that, that I have and it, it's not the gratitude side of things, but it is the, the openness for change uh, side of things more. So is that the, the, my most hated answer to a question of why is it that we're doing this, this way, whatever it is, right? Um, if the answer is uh, because that's the way I was shown or that's the way it's always been, or <laughs> some some answer like that. It, yeah. it drives me absolutely nuts. Um, and and my my goal to any of those is like is, is the constant challenge um, and and striving for trying out maybe a little different. Asking that question: Is this could could I be doing something a little bit better? Um, and, and being open to, to that rather than just being sort of stuck in your ways, et cetera. I think there's some, some magnificent benefits that you can get from it. Sometimes they don't work out, right? You try it, right? Let's try it rather than green. Let's use purple. I don't know. And you try it out and you look and you go, that was a bad idea, but then you can go back, right? It's, it's not the end of the world. You know, you didn't lose out uh, a whole bunch of things. I, I know like when, when the business, uh, when, when I took over the business, there were maybe six different pieces of software being used um, with like four different communication points. Um, and it was just <laughs> like, I was looking at this and I'm like, for me, this is wild. Like I, I cannot handle this, um, but I just want to learn a little bit. Maybe there is something that I'm missing, et cetera. And you ask, the questions and it's like, well, you know, we, we switched over and this person didn't really want to move. So we kept it there. And then we tried this and we sort of kept using this, but then we couldn't get back to this and back and forth. I'm like, I don't know about you, but can we try a different way? What do you think? And everyone's like, yeah, that would be actually very nice. And so now we're down to like one piece of software, really. Yeah. Um, it's uh, just, just those things, just asking that question, you know, why is it that we're doing this? Can we do a better way? I think um, to capture as well what you just mentioned, I think what's so important is there's a two-step process to, to exactly what you just said. One, it's can you identify and, and streamline those inefficiencies? But the second time is like, let's talk to the team and see what their receptiveness to a new idea is. Because I'm reading this book right now. It's called The First 90 Days. And it's basically like being super effective as soon as you get into a new role or a new company. And it's just ways you can do that. But one of the examples they did was that a guy who was really good at the job he did. I don't know if he was just like a... He, he oversaw some department. Um, and they gave him a chance to be a manager at a completely different power plant. And now this power plant had was way underfunded. 
And what happened was that he came in and he just saw the inefficiency. And so he assumed that the team was lackluster in their ability, that they, you know, there was a bad method of communication. So he ended up trying to like get rid of a bunch of them, hire a bunch of new people and bring in a new system. And what happened was, is that the production went even worse. It went terrible. And what had happened is that once he actually spoke to the team, he realized that the team actually cared about what they were doing and they had done their best with what they had, but because they were underfunded, they weren't able to perform at the level necessary. So I think what happened, like, with, I mean, with your point, it's like, again, you identified in an efficiency, right? If you have four methods of communication, a lot of stuff's going to get lost. Six different platforms, not only you have the issue of using six different platforms and, you know, paying all these licenses, but it's like when you try to switch in between platforms, like you have different file formats, things get lost in transition, the file name's wrong. So it's like a lot of stuff can go wrong there. But then you talk to the team and you're like, is there a method to the madness in a more respectful way? But is there a method to the madness? And um, is there anything we could do to improve it, right? It's working together. Um, and again, it's like, it's if you come from that angle, you're not attacking them, you're working with them. You're attacking with them. Um, so just capture real quick one on what you were saying, but I'll let you, I'll let you keep going. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly right. And, and I mean, for, for us, uh, from the software perspective, you know, you also have to take uh, take a perspective of what, in our case, the end client is doing as well, right? So if there are people that are um, insistent on using one particular platform, um, asking back to that sort of understanding, it, it, it's a layer deeper now. And then we go to the clients in this case, and we, we try and understand what it is that they are steadfast about this particular platform. What, like... They tried this other thing. They didn't like it. They said, forget that. I want to go back to this other thing. And so asking the question, like, why is it that you like this platform? And then and then trying to find receiving that and actually saying, okay, well, there's there's something here, right? There, This other platform is missing this and this and this. Okay, get it. Then we go out and try and find something that actually solves all of the problems. But before we released it to anyone in the world, we tried it internally for two or three months um, just to see. So, I mean, in essence, what I'm saying is that we then had seven pieces of software, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, which was worse in that scenario, but working through all the potential kinks, et cetera, before we release it to the, the group and saying, hey, listen, we've heard your concerns here's another software that answers everything that you are looking for. And the transition became so much easier um, by, by talking, listening, trying to understand. And that's another thing that we do a lot of times uh, within our business as well, is that we'll, we'll try and get a, a net promoter score. Uh, overall, we'll, we'll do a whole bunch of surveys every now and then and just see whether there are ways that we could do better. Um, yeah. Is there anything that we're missing out on? Um you know, growth opportunities as much as possible because if it's you don't being ask, receptive to the idea that you're not perfect, you can always be yes. improving. And it's so important on a personal yeah. level and on a business level. Like it just matters so much to be doing that. So you yeah. understand what it is you need to improve on. Yeah. But asking it quickly as well though. Yeah. You know, I think I think a lot of businesses out there or or people, whatever it is, like if if you ever get sent like a survey and it's like 
20 questions and you're like, I'm not going to complete this survey. Like you, even if it's a scale of one to 10, you're like beyond three here. Like I I don't, I don't care that much (laughs) to answer this survey. Right. But if it's, if it's one question or two questions at most, right. And and you're able to just take that win and, and get your response rate that much higher. Um, that's, that's what we really try and push because I know what it's like on the other side. (laughs) You don't want to be participating in those long winded things. Like it's just, just asking quickly, Hey, is there anything we can do better? Yeah. And it's like, even, it's like, even at the small percentage that might answer all of them, it's like, how, how much are they really paying attention to what they're answering? So you might just get skewed numbers, but it's like, you do like a quick two, three question. It's like, what was your experience? One to five, three words to describe your experience. Thanks again for your time. Or it's yeah. like one word to describe what can be better. So it's like, yeah. it's like slow. Okay. We need to do a little bit faster. Uh, what you like about it? Quality, uh, value oriented, um, friendly. And then it's like yeah. your experience Four. cool. Yeah. That's it's simple. And I think uh, like individually, if you think about it as a consumer, it's like, yeah, I don't mind doing that. And I think to, yeah. to cross-reference that point, it's like on the business side, obviously that makes sense. And then on a personal side, it's like be receptive to criticism and separate the message from the messenger. So it's like, if someone tells you that you can do something better, even and their intention should be good, but even if they aren't, what can you actually learn from it? Now, I say this from people that are like close to you. I wouldn't just recommend this with like anyone, especially online, like don't just ignore all the negativity. But it's like, if you got a friend and he's just like, you know, telling you something, it's like, where is he like, where is he right? Even if he's like trying to get back at me or something, which usually isn't the case, it's like, what can I actually take out of this? to kind of improve my life and inversely improve the lives of others, you know, the miscommunication on a personal level. Well, and, and that's, if you could take my, my suggestion from the business world and, and put it into the personal life as well is, is essentially doing your own quick survey with friends that are close to you, et cetera. Like, yeah. uh, and maybe there's something that you could right? just being receptive and say, Hey, you know, just interested. Are there certain things that I do that might bother you or you could see that uh, is a little insert, whatever it is, odd or quaint or any suggestions at all. Right. And just being receptive to that too um, can be monumental. I know, I mean, this is back a long time ago, but it was in high school. I I had no idea that I, I actually walked and I I would lean forward when I would walk. (laughs) No idea, right? Yeah. Didn't didn't pay any attention or anything like that. And then I was talking to someone and, and sort of – I didn't ask the question because I wasn't uh, as knowledgeable as I am now, of course. Uh, <laughs> but the suggestion came out like, hey, y- you walk forward when I do that. <laughs> and at first you're like, what? Like it's ridiculous. But then you know, I'd, I'd walk by and that – happen to glance in like a window or something like that. You're like, Oh shit. Look at that. <laughs> like, I can't That's believe hilarious. it. <laughs> I, I can't myself forward. I look like, you know, a little bit of a K. I don't know. It looks odd. So then, you know, being receptive to it, uh, and change. And now I think now you're better I for walk. it. Hopefully I mean, <laughs> I've seen you walk, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows? You know, that it's, uh, it could be baked in that, uh, maybe sometimes I do it, but it just, you know, just a, a minor example where you're receptive to it. If you're open to that and, and just not think that you're perfect again, that's the, that's the core part that I think our message is, is like, listen, 
there unfortunately is always room for improvement. Yeah. Um, either unfortunately or fortunately, depending on <laughs> which side you're on. Right. right? And, and striving for that uh, is, is crucial. Yeah. No, it's been definitely been a great time speaking with you. I think we've been able to just talk about a lot of stuff that just like, it's so important to like keep reinforcing. Um, and what I think is so interesting about like when I like when I do interviews, it's like, or even just my own episodes, it's just like, what's so cool is how there's such a big element of repetition, but it's from different angles, perspectives, and just like slightly different stories, what makes it so interesting. Because it's like, again, self-improvement, personal development, professional development, it all relates back to that idea of being receptive, being open to change, and then being able to instill and execute on said change. So I think for yeah. me, it's just, it's so, it's so incredibly captivating just to like listen to like the stories and just like listen to like where people are coming from and stuff like that. But as Action we, is huge. Yeah. As, as we said. wrap up, like why don't you give your, uh, some of your closing takeaways and then as well as where people can find you and learn more about what you do. As I was saying, action is, is probably the biggest part of doing is improving or whatever it is, is actually doing it. You know, I go back to the business idea um, or business side of things. There are countless individuals out there that have wonderful ideas of something new or how something could get better or whatever it is. Um, there are millions of great ideas out there. Uh, the, the only difference between the Elon Musk's and, and any other um, really successful individual is taking the action and, and believing um, and pursuing what it is that you want to do. Um, I think that is a, a hugely invaluable thing that, that if I can impart to anyone that, if you have an idea, if you do whatever, it is, you should try and take action. Just move one step forward and and act on it, um, because otherwise it'll fall by a wayside, or someone else will do it, and and you'll yeah. look back and you go, ah, I should have done that. Like, yeah. look, you know, whatever it is, and and uh, you think there, there's a possibility of thinking in the world like, well, how how many other ideas? could there possibly be all the good ideas are taken and yeah. then you see a new business pop up and you're like, wow, that's a, such a simple thing. And I cannot believe um, how great it is. So um, that would be my, my one of my bigger uh, takeaways for people is just to, to take action. If you're listening to this podcast, you take anything uh, of a suggestion from this is don't go on to the next thing go and do one of the things, just one of the suggestions that we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, personal growth or whatever it is. If you have a business, then then try and take action. Taking action is a hugely important part of things. Um, that it's it's easy to just get back into the mundane, you know, finish the podcast and go have lunch, go eat breakfast and whatever it is. And, and you, you start doing that and then you go and do another thing. You go to the washroom, you go, whatever, and then all of a sudden it's the end of the day, you're tired. Then it's the next, I'll do it some other time. And it just never happens. Just pushing right? off so, your potential. So, exactly. Doing it sooner than later. Um, I, I'm not perfect. Sometimes I, I do that, but I, I have done it. I recognize the mistakes that I've done uh, and, and not taking action right away um, and uh, the, the pitfalls of it. So, and, and it's amazing 
just to try and close off. It's amazing. Initially, you think you look at a room, messy, right? I mean, I have two kids, uh, and naturally, the rooms are just absolutely filthy, <laughs> right? Uh, it, it can it gets to that point, and and from a child's perspective or anyone's perspective, you look at the room, you're like, Ugh, I can't possibly clean this up. Like, there's just too much stuff, right? I'm overwhelmed, right? It, it's it's impossible, but you you take action. You just my my mindset for the kids is clean up the biggest thing first. Just take whatever the biggest thing is and put that away. Just one thing, put it away. And that, if we work on one big thing, you're like, wow, this this hole now is in my room. I can't believe it. And then you work on the next biggest thing, and you work on the next biggest thing. Right? You just take action, um, and all of a sudden, your room's a lot cleaner. Your yeah. life's a lot better. Uh, your business is doing a whole lot better. Insert whatever it is. Just try and take action. Do one thing. And it's amazing how much faster it is to get things done. Um, and I have so many other analogies for it. But that's that's another one of my, my big lifestyle points. Um, so as it relates to me, um, if you're wanting to chat and, and have any questions for me at all, um, Probably the best is, is by email. Um, I, I try, uh, personally, I try not to spend a whole lot of time on social media. Um, <laughs> professionally, we're on there a lot, but uh, uh, personally, I try not to. So I, if you if you are wanting to reach out to me, graham at pixeltrue.com. Um, true is just spelled like you would think and pixel just like <laughs> you would think. Um, and, uh, ultimately that's, that's our website as well. If, if you have any type of design need, obviously happy to, to help help in that regard too. We, uh, our, our business specifically, um, is an unlimited design type business. Um, and so the concept is you pay a monthly fee and you get, uh, unlimited amount of work within the hours that you pay for. Um, and so uh, it's, it's a pretty simple concept and uh, overall working quite well, helping a lot of businesses sort of get through things. So that's my, that's my uh, life and ideas for you. Thank I you for it, listening, everyone. Love it. All right, guys, you know how it is. He just said he loves social media, so reach out to him on Twitter. No, I'm playing. Um, <laughs> no, but definitely, definitely, guys, um, if you enjoyed something or have any questions, um, the email will be in the show notes of this episode. Um, again, for me, it's it's always back to the question of, you know, how long are you going to wait to demand the best for yourself? And it's and again, that, that point that Graham just mentioned is like start with the small thing, start with the one thing, focus, lock down, zone in and get it done and then let that catapult you into the rest of the life of change but gentlemen thank you all for listening you know how we close it down here chase excellence chase greatness and chase the you from tomorrow thank you for tuning in to today's episode on the gentleman's atlas podcast if you enjoyed the message leave us a review on apple podcast and spotify and share this episode with a friend you can find more about all our services and previous content on our website, www.thegentlemansatlas.com. Your support is greatly appreciated, and we look forward to seeing you in the next episode.